Hey, James. Yep. Okay, I'm going to give you a choice what we're going to talk about first. Because we're going to talk about both of these things I'm going to bring up in, at some point. But I'll give you the choice where we start. Are so we going to start want? about my visit to the well, yeah, it's good to you. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's great. To the yeah. GameStop? Huh? I said, were we, were we going to be uh, talking about my visit today to the EB Games that was disguised as a GameStop? Oh, you went there? Which one? Uh, the one uh, at South Common still uh, kicking, but uh, today is uh, Friday, August 27th, so uh, no more Heroes 3 uh, launched for the Nintendo Switch. So our favorite otaku, uh, Travis Touchdown, is back in action, and I thought I'd get that for the Switch just to give it a roll. I loved the other two games and then the spinoff. So update me. It's now it ha- it, The brand name has uh, changed? Well... I can tell you that EB Games is still up top on the uh, store itself and probably for most stores. So they're still probably going to be in the process of taking those down, putting GameStop up. But by now, if you go to the website, it now says GameStop. So it's GameStop.ca. And all the receipts, so the receipt I got didn't say EB Games or whatever. It said GameStop power to the players at the top. Hmm. Cute. Well... Dawn of a new, brave new era, as they say. Well, by the way, welcome back. Yeah, no, I hear it's been a while, right? Yeah. Well, it's rare that you take two recordings off. I know there is some family business to tend to, and all good family business. Mm-hmm. So no issue there. It's just, as I said, it's just unusual that you take two recordings in a row away. Whether it's a space heater like we're doing now or a regular episode. So uh, welcome say, back. Life is a, a busy beast, right? No kidding. Well, you you would think August would be kind of a dog days type thing, but that would be maybe that would be typical times. But as noted, we're not in typical times. So work's been busy for you. I know that. On a you want me to tell you quickly about my work or lack thereof now. Well, I know you've been looking for opportunities, as they say, like many others, so hopefully it works itself out. But at least the last job, uh, as you said, uh, it left you feeling good, which is always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that ended last Saturday, so and I'm trying to remember when we uh, taped again. Well, it's been two weeks since uh, episode 49 as well. So, yes, as noted, my contract with the City of Toronto ended with the Toronto Public Health Mass Clinic operation near near six points here. And I'll, I'll tell you this much about the final day there, James. It didn't feel like anyone was upset or anything. It felt more like the last day of school. That was the feeling going through. So there was some understanding that, you know, all things end. Not really sad, just sad that, you know, people that became friends won't be able to regularly meet up in that form anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was like you go through the day and once again, it was very slow at the clinic. And you understood why the majority of people's contracts that day and was, run, was running out and why almost everybody working there with me 
would be were on their last day as well. You know, everybody there understood. Yeah, they were shifting to a more uh, localized strategy to get the last uh, holdouts or the last people that uh, have a hard time getting to certain clinics or to family doctors or whatnot. So, yeah, it's one of those just, yeah, I guess this is a quasi COVID update here for the Ontario region or specifically the Toronto region. The thinking with doing this was yes, closing the clinics or most of the mass clinics, and then pivoting all the resources that have currently been used in the city, and probably in much of the greater Toronto area, to more mobile clinics. The whole idea that, okay, we've gotten everybody who will come to us, so let's go to those who can't. And that's the strategy from this point. So everything is more... Like four clinics will remain open, and coincidentally, the one I was at is one of them, but it has now been reduced to in terms of hours and space and, and capacity. And then all the other resources, there were nine mass clinics altogether. And let me correct that. Five are still open, not, not four. Five of them remain open, but they've been their hours have been reduced and their resources and the manpower have been reduced. But it, the resources from all the others are now being focused into more a more mobile uh, model, as mentioned earlier. So that's the uh, that's a short version. But in the process, yes, they let go. The I would say, yeah, let's say the majority. More than half, at least, of the people who had been employed at those clinics, including myself, everybody who worked there knew it would end at some point. And I may be perhaps the only real surprise to them or to a handful of us is it ended at this point. They Many felt it could go just a little longer, maybe another month. We'd get to fall. But hey, that's just the way it is. And, yeah. you know... It was work, we worked on the, under the belief that people would be 16 weeks between doses when it ended up being more, oh, four weeks, right? Yeah, Things, uh, like we had longer more. tails originally, right? And mm -hmm. then once it ramped up, it just moved faster than I think a lot of people anticipate and stuff like that. And we had the doses to make that coverage too. Mm -hmm. And uh, once again, it's a for better or worse. Sadly, it's not to say that the pandemic is over. As a matter of fact, we're probably in yet another phase of it, another wave, because numbers have been going up. I believe we got over 700 today in terms of number of cases, or is it just over over six? Uh, do, you, do you remember the number, James, off the top? I thought it was around 800 is what I heard, but I could be wrong. No, you could be right. I, I, I mean, for now, I'm believing you. It's just I know the numbers aren't. Flattering, of course, read between the lines and whatever numbers there are. Uh, it, it's, yeah, you're right. It's almost 800 for the day. And that's, that's, a, that's a new, or we haven't gotten that number in months, to be sure. So, yeah, there's some concern at the moment. We're seeing a fair number of breakthrough cases and what have you. And, well, it's all science. A little bit more than what we are capable of uh, talking about. But, hey, the pandemic series continues. Okay, 
And I heard you got a shout out on Twitch too because you worked at a clinic. <laughs> got a got a couple shout outs from a couple streamers. Well, only because I brought it up on the on the on their stream and they actually paid attention to their chats. Which is probably incredible considering that's probably a skill in itself because I know those two uh had a lot of viewers, correct? Well, okay. Well, truth be told, yeah, it's um well, since we've been watching uh, Trash Taste on and off, both of us, one of the, one of those streamers is Kahu Shibuya. Yeah, I remember you said about yeah, who's, Shibuya. Yeah, who's the lone, who was the who's the lone Japanese guest at any convention going on in North America probably this year. She was at Anime Matsuri, and that I, I get that. Anyone who wants to keep up with that story, they already know the basics. We won't go through it right now, but mentioned it to her. Mentioned it on her stream when I was watching, and she um, gave a shout out there. Cosplayer extraordinaire, among other things. But yeah, she mentioned it. The other it was Emily Tang, the um, the Chinese language correspondent for the Chengdu Hunters in the Overwatch League. She's their she's one of their um, correspondents and interviewers since she speaks Mandarin. But she regularly streamed from her place in Las Vegas and brought it up a couple times. She's somebody I've uh, wanted to talk with a little bit more just to pick her brain because she, in a past life, actually in both in both uh, Kahu Shibuya's and Emily Tang's past lives, they were sports reporters. Shibuya... She covered um, NPB, so she used to be a baseball reporter in Japan. And then Emily Tang used to cover the NBA. And, and truth be told, she's a big Clippers fan, she mentions on her stream. So uh, she's happy they have Kawhi Leonard. And, yeah, and, and we got the and, claw. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, she mentions a lot, talks a lot about on her stream about the COVID situation there, and I bring up the clinic and you know she got I got a shout out there a couple times when I mentioned working at the clinic. So I get it it's not a huge thing but it's on a personal level it makes you feel like you've done some good. Right? And, and remember I'm not the one putting the needles in people. Well, as they say every Little small part uh, counts, and no. I think yeah. you always remember that one story they always talk about about how the janitor is just as important at NASA and stuff because, like, if one little thing gets into that rocket, kaboom! Right, so to speak. We're, it's I I just refer to the roles that we that the people who worked in those clinics had where they were simple roles but not unimportant. That's the way I put it. Right. Yeah, and I was I was uh, what was referred to as non-clinical staff. So everything that surrounded the clinics that didn't have to do with any medical stuff, I did. Whether it's cleaning or crowd control or or just or logis- or simple logistics. That's what I was helping out with. As I said, it's it was a Fun while it lasted and met some good people. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It was a paid job, but it was still you came. Uh, many of us came away thinking we did some good. So anyway, pandemic series does continue as mentioned. Okay, 
now that we're 12 minutes in, James, back to what I, what I said 12 minutes ago. So one of two things we should, I want to start with. Which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with a number or an Olympic thought? I guess there isn't much I can say on Olympic thoughts. I guess we could always talk about, uh, I know you guys were throwing out names about uh, what the new uh, streaming kingpin of uh, specialized anime would be, which I guess I'm going to throw one into the ring that will never happen, but hey, let's go for it to get uh, some more regular people watching. We could call it... um, Adult Japanese cartoons presented by PlayStation Plus. How about that? Oh, for God's sakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, what's the branding we'll go with? Let's go with that a bit. Let's talk about that a bit later. <laughs> so let's go back to the first two that I, I, I proposed to you. Okay. Which one? Olympic thought or number? How about number? Let's go numbers. Okay. Num- the number I have is 49. Well, I guess that's better than some of the other numbers I could have uh, heard. <laughs> okay. No, you're right. It's an, it, Obviously, it's 49. Uh, it could be much worse. I get it. The number I have is 49. You know what 49 in this case refers to? And it refers to specifically this podcast. But And it has a bunch of dual meanings. But 49. Take a guess. Take at least a guess when I say 49. That this is the 49th uh, recording of uh, the Pandemic series, correct? I think I told you that earlier, didn't I? Yes, we had discussed that many a time and stuff like that. So we're chugging along uh, at a bigger clip than I think we ever thought, right? And we've talked about that many uh, Mm -hmm. times over the course of uh, the year. Yeah, so that's right. 49 represents, well, we did episode 49 a couple weeks ago, the regular episodes. But yes, it's the 49th recording done of the pandemic series. So that's when we're talking regular episodes, what we used to do with the digests, on my mind, special episodes, space heater chats, add them all up since April, since the on my mind when I told the story of my high school senpai, 49 recordings. So that's why, and that includes this one. That's, this is now the 49th recording of the pandemic era. And I wanted to do specifically a something that's not a regular episode, because obviously the right, next regular episode will be episode 50. So that also means the 50th recording of the pandemic series becomes the 50th regular episode of the version two era. Yeah, we've... It's just hard to believe we've done that much. So if I if I if my math is correct, we've done thirty-two regular episodes on top of that as part of those poss- likely fifty some odd recordings in the pandemic series. Did you think we'd be doing this much? Do you think the pandemic series would have lasted this long, James? I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I just roll with the punches and stuff like that. And then we see uh, where it takes us, right? And as we said, some topics like the ones we may discuss again today, tonight are 
ones that are just a c- continuous thing that continues on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'd mentioned we do the numbers. So yeah, next next episode we do, next regular episode we do the 50th recording of the pandemic era will or pandemic series will be the 50th episode of the version two era. And that's why I want to make sure all hands are on deck for that. Every all five of us regulars now are able to do that episode. So okay. The Olympic thought. And this is a very simple one. Uh, um, just a first blush, yes or no. With the Paralympics uh, currently going on, and I know some games have already happened, I'm actually watching it. Did you watch the opening ceremony of the Paralympics? No, I did not watch it. Okay. It was much more, let's just say it had that, it it felt more story-driven. It had that theme where they tell a story throughout the opening ceremonies. Somebody this time it was about a per, uh, like a figure with only one wing and how they go through life, just something like that, right? It was much more elaborate in contrast to what we saw in terms of the opening ceremonies in my eyes during the Olympics about a month ago. So here's my yes or no, and I guess you're not in a maybe you're not in the greatest position to give me a a, a real thought, but I'll ask it anyway. There is this impression that the Paralympics opening ceremony felt more better planned out and more elaborate and what have you. So the yes or no basically is, do you think it's because there weren't nearly as many scandals behind the production of that opening ceremony compared to the Olympics opening ceremony? I think, I think you don't even need to have watched. You would definitely say yes. Like, they even admitted that that caused problems and that they basically were doing that opening ceremonies for the uh, main Olympics, like in a matter of four months or like in a very short timeline. So I'm amazed they got anything together on some level. Yeah, because it felt like like it, it had to change on the fly and it felt more put uh, more pieced together last minute at points. Like it was just a dance. There was just a, a little dance number, but it never really felt like there was a narrative being told. And even with the scandals and stuff like that, probably some of the ideas and some of the songs and things like that might have been in the ceremonies because they probably had so much rush against time, right? That you can't just erase a whole thing and then start from scratch at that point. Yeah. So you. So you would say you would agree with the idea. I, at least the whole idea that could have been the case. Yeah. The other thing is, remember the parallels, they always say it's like they're kind of on the same level, but I feel like it's a little more low profile in the general public's eyes. So probably they're they're They went to someone and then we just haven't heard. Well, we probably know who did it. Right. But most people wouldn't be able to know. Oh, who did there, there, there's a joke about that, about the, guy who did it because i think the producers just made it a point once they got the job they just stayed as low profile as possible so that any possible controversies from their past wouldn't come up they just stayed as much in the shadows as they could they probably didn't have any uh, skeletons in the closet anyway but at least not nearly to this to the degree that it happened within 
within the uh, regular Olympics, but no uh, Jeopardy uh, type. Uh, oh yes, in the closet. Just quickly, who do you think is the new host of Jeopardy? I get the I feeling say what they're going to do since we talked Hatsune Miku. I think the only way they get out of this is since everyone has a skeleton in the closet, they have to get a hologram of Alex Trebek and have him continually host somehow. It's the only way. Wow. I haven't heard that idea. I mean, Val Kilmer kind of has gone that route. Roger Ebert did in his final years. That's inter- that, that, that is such an interesting thought. I mean, I'm pausing here because I just think, hmm. I, I, I'm not going to dismiss it. Probably not. It's not likely, but that, that I know you're saying happen, that as a joke. It's the most craziest idea, it's, but somehow it's I, crazy it, enough to work. It's like crazy, crazy enough that it's, side. yeah, it's crazy enough that I wouldn't outright dismiss it. At least, uh, at least it's worth a debate to add, to wonder its merits, right? That's interesting. I like that. I like that. Okay, jokes aside, what do you think is the more likely scenario? I don't know. I'm wondering, like, we've heard that, um, oh, Blossom herself uh, might uh, be stepping in, so maybe she Jokes. might take over full time. But I think Ken Jennings is probably up there, and uh, even LeVar Burton, we'll see about that, because I know that was a fan favorite. Yeah, and I think they want to, for PR reasons, I think, well, Ken Jennings wouldn't be bad PR either, so. At least you would think, but he has a skeleton that kind of came out during his time hosting. Ray and Bialik, I know there's a skeleton there. Mm-hmm. Mike Richards has, well, that took him down. LeVar Burton, not so many, but I know people were kind of frosty to the way he handled it. But okay. I think some of the other thing with Richards you have to remember is that he was also exclusive producer and stuff like that. He's still keeping that role, it sounds like. And the thing was, he probably had an ability that the others didn't was he could show the focus group certain footage, right? So he could technically make himself look better. So that was, I think, an even bigger sin, too, to think about. Well, it's just... There's so many sins there, but... Yeah, how does he... Like, he's the executive producer. Yeah, I know. that We can go on and on about that. Well, I, as it stands, I know May and Bialik will step in as host for a little bit, maybe a couple of weeks, and then they'll start rotating guest hosts again. I think. So we'll see. I'm curious. Let's see. Let's see how. Let's see how the other producers and Sony or whoever else really handles this. Because, boy, this has been a nice little like. Who's had the better, who's had the worst PR time of it? Jeopardy or the Olympics? Now there's the thought. Okay. Well, I guess the other reason, you know, we're welcoming you back. Well, welcome back again. We have talk about Sony's uh, game shows, but Sony's uh, other stuff. Let's talk about, good good segue. Good segue. Well, you're always good with the segues, James. So yeah, we're talking from one Sony thing to another. I wouldn't say controversies. I hardly uh, look at Crunchyroll as a controversy, but it is a point of discussion. Okay. 
though. Another couple weeks have passed since the announcement. What's your take? What's your take now? I think my take is still the same as what it was. I think we knew the deal was probably going to get done. No problem. They probably did take a look at it. But as you guys said in the episode, I think uh, that Greg uh, mentioned it uh, as well. And uh, you were talking about too, is that remember they did have the partnership before and that was probably something they brought up probably at whatever hearings or whatever uh, uh, deposition of uh, materials they gave to uh, the committee and said, well, this is what happened during that time. And it's not like somehow like they became like this monopoly that controlled everything. And so, and prices, like, there were still two separate things. So Funimation did dubs, Crunchyroll did subs. Now, obviously, given what we heard from Sony, it sounds like they're probably going to merge them together somehow. Now, I don't think it's... You guys were talking more general terms, but I think it's going to depend on the market. I think probably maybe depending on the market, they'll use Funimation. So maybe North America, they might use Funimation, but probably for certain markets that were outside North America that were non-English markets. So we're talking about Latin America and stuff like that for Spanish and even like in Brazil with uh, Portuguese, Brazilian, and then even European markets and stuff like that. They might use Crunchyroll because that's the more known commodity for those languages. So let me get this straight. You're thinking, you're thinking there'll be a fracturing of the brand, like a fracturing of the brand going forward. Sony will just, they won't stick with one name. They will go just whatever suits them. I think that would probably be for the best in some ways. And then the other thing you got to remember is Funimation was playing catch up in a lot of those other language regions. Like they got a lot of flack, I know, in Latin America for some of their Spanish dubs and stuff like that. And I know one of them they did out of Miami before they started using uh, some of the studios, I believe Crunchyroll used, which... Some of them were uh, from Mexico, I think, near Mexico City, and there's a few others in South America that has done good work that people were happy with from those languages. But Crunchyroll is far ahead of Funimation when it comes to non-English dubbing. So that would be a strength you don't want to uh, get rid of. Whereas on the English side, they, uh, Crunchyroll, of course, has went to uh, BangZoom, I think that still may continue to happen because there's just too much anime coming out that Funimation can't handle all of it from their own studio. And we've seen that during uh, the pandemic where it isn't just them doing dubs and doing it remotely from Funimation. They're doing it to Sound Kings. They're doing it to New Generation Pictures. They're doing it to Coach Studio. They're doing it to um, Otakon uh, 5000 or 3000, whatever. Um, oh. I forget his name, Funimation, uh, old uh, hand, but uh, his student. Um, Hes- Lance Heskell? No, not oh, Lance Heskell. It's, uh, I should remember, it's a voice actor, and it's terrible okay. that I forget his name. Well, yeah, but even, a thought on the branding then, because Funimation has almost become a four-letter word to a huge chunk of fandom. So, like, you think it's safe still for them to use that branding within the English-speaking world? 
it's just it's it's gained such a like almost bad reputation amongst fandom like they become the monolith within anime fandom i feel like crunchyroll you don't have like there's still people that have their hate there too especially for both Funimation and Crunchyroll in regards to streaming because their platforms can be very finicky. And even I've been having issues watching certain episodes on like my platform. I was watching uh, through Xbox One. I've watched through uh, my PlayStation 4. And it's like, especially... If you said five, we're giving your address. (laughs) It's, It's the base PS4, Mike. Not got that much power. But... Anyway, uh, Crunchyroll, it feels like I'm going into that episode, and then I just see this spinning ring. It takes forever to load something, but once it does it, it finally gets to where it needs to go, and it takes a while to get, like, a second before it flickers to the 1080p. Now, Funimation, I haven't had too much of that problem, but I do know a second before it gets to the full 1080p, but you don't notice that on the, like, Amazon Primes or the Netflixes of the world, and if they say they're trying to compete against the big boys, they should put some money into their infrastructure and actually make their platform like they mean to actually play like a big boy. You know what I mean? But I doubt I, that's going to happen, as Kevin said. I don't think they're going to put money in. You, I think they're just going to say, it's good enough, and we got it, your money. It's bufferific. I, I will tell you that. I mean, I, I, my own recent crunchy role experiences, because I can't speak to the Funimation part yet, although, well, maybe I'll consider a, a subscription at some point. Maybe when when income is just a little better, but I remember. Yeah, you're right. I I, I remember later episodes of Sukigakire. Don't at me on the pronunciation, by the way. But I remember, like, if I want to scrub and scroll ahead to a point in the episode, it just you know it it buffers and it buffers for like a good. God knows how long it feels. It feels like it feels like thirty seconds. I guess it does feel like a bit. So I get it. There's some issues. And you, but you you're not optimistic. You're not optimistic. They'll put they'll do some checking into that. Like they, they as you've seen, like they've relaunched uh, Funimation streaming service and they've relaunched um, Crunchyrolls into the quote-unquote new era, and the new era still feels like the old era when we're trying to get things streaming. And I know it's not on our end because my internet, when I check in all these other things, it's fine. I got all my bars. I'm no, I get wired, that. I, I, I know where you're going with that because I don't, I don't feel those issues nearly as much when I watch a Netflix show. So don't worry about it. So I'm, not, I'm actually in agreement with you about what, what I'm seeing. Well, no, it's the thing where you think in your brain, it's like, maybe it is. And then you go and you look and you're like, no, this is on their end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. I mean, right now, maybe there, I am having, I like that aside. I mean, I'm, I am having the odd slow day on my, uh, on my internet right now, but we're in the dog days of summer. So I think there's still just a lot of people on the internet, but, uh, I know where you're going with it. Because like I said, I'm, I'm seeing that as a crunchy roll. Watcher. But yeah. And then, as we said, hopefully maybe best practices uh, crossover and stuff like that. Like, for example, on uh, Crunchyroll, 
when they're streaming a lot of their episodes and stuff like that, they, I feel like, and even the dubs and stuff like that, it's the TV broadcast version. They don't update it once those home video ones come out, it feels like. Whereas Funimation, once they get closer to releasing a Blu-ray and stuff like that, they change over those videos that were um, the broadcast version to the uncensored home uh, video version for their dub and for their sub and stuff. Yeah, like we that. have to clarify. Yeah, and we should clarify that. Yeah, there tends to be a difference between the broadcast and the home video releases. Well, we're, we're in an era now where it, the whole, the concept of a home video is not necessarily passe, but it's not something you see it. We, you see too much or we talk about too much because of the whole idea, just the general concept of home video and DVD and Blu-ray. Outside Japan, that's true. And because they're still like very Japan centric and stuff like that on certain things still for the anime industry and a few other industries in Japan, it feels like they're still looking at that core customer. So it's kind of like bringing them in and then saying, okay, now put down your dollars for this like better version. You know what I mean? And sometimes okay, yeah, no, that's, a fair, that's actually a fair point, uh, which is lost on me still. Even though we talk all, a lot at length about the industry in Japan having to face outside of its borders, kicking and screaming. As much as I keep saying that, there's little nuances that I for completely forget about. And you just reminded me, so thanks. Sincerely. So where'd yeah. you from here? Well, there's a lot of things like you can think about too. Like we were talking there about uh, those, but the other one as well for the Crunchyroll side is remember they've had to team up once uh, they lost uh, Funimation for distributing their uh, home video rights. And so they've teamed up now. Sentai is starting to release their second batch. We know Viz has Inspector coming out next month and they'll start releasing some with that deal and they've had some deals to get some stuff out through Discotech. So it'll be interesting. Those will probably still continue on, but it'll be interesting to see how many get thrown out through Funimation. They were able to do it, but will they go and maybe look at some of those other titles that hadn't been done and people were scratching their head wondering, will they do it? I remember one on my head and a few people's head was laid back camp and so that has two seasons and that has stayed streaming only sub only and there's been other ones like that on Crunchyroll which maybe could have been done sub only through discotech or someone else but I'll be interested to see if that's possible if they haven't already made those deals hmm. so what becomes of the actual home video stuff again when we get to that there's and I think that also shows the thing that for Crunchyroll, it's going to look like in the future for maybe other players as well that some of them are probably going to stay streaming only because they have the numbers. And it's going to be, do we really want to put this out on Blu-ray and stuff like that and put out that physical release? Or is there going to be something where we're going to have to show them that they want us uh, to put that out and stuff like that? And we saw that in Japan with uh, Odd Taxi and them doing that uh, crowdfunding campaign where they reached the goal to actually release that on Blu-ray in Japan. And that was uh, in gem of uh, the spring season. 
which is kind of a funny thing to see in the streaming era since we keep, kind of get everything, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's the I don't know really comes about about okay. I'm still wrapping my head as to where, you know, where how to can how to proceed in this brave new, you know, Sony dominating everything world. Is it? it, it but something tells me it's not always all it's cracked up to be. I think it'll be a long uh, ride before we see anything in regards to how they want to merge them together and stuff like that because it took a long time before. They brought like um, Madman and Manga and Funimation, all their other stuff together in the Funimation group. And then, of course, Aniplex in Japan and Aniplex USA factor into that as well in that uh, group. And I think even in Japan, they're probably still going to use that Aniplex uh, brand, obviously, uh, since that's the greater uh, thing to use. Even yeah, actually I mean, in some parts of Asia, remember Aniplex with their uh, channels and stuff like that, specialty channels would be probably more well-known than, say, Funimation or Crunchyroll. Coming back down to the use of the which name do they want to use going forward? Well, then maybe it's a regional approach, right? Okay. Well, yeah. Some of it, I'll say, just to end on that one, is they probably might want to use the fact that it can tie into their video game business and then work it with PlayStation Plus and stuff like that, or PlayStation Now. And we've okay, seen a yeah. lot of people want to do that. Well, once again, good with the segues, James, because I was about to bring up, okay, we a year ago, we ended up talking about Sony's business plan going forward and how it'll be very PlayStation-centered. Like you, you, Because you're the one who gave me the Nikkei Asia article, and we talked at length about that. And how there's like a bunch of different pillars and it'll center on the PlayStation. But that pillar, like the newest pillar is the anime side into figuring into all of that. And I haven't seen it yet, at least when it comes to anime and the PlayStation. Or maybe there's something I'm missing. So you're more you're more keen on that. Is there something I'm missing at the moment? Or we really haven't started to see how that how the two kind of roll together? Well, I think it takes a while for all the tea leaves to fall, so to speak. So I think they now know that Crunchyroll is part of them. Uh, VRV is a part of them since that was a part of uh, Crunchyroll. And I guess they're going to take that in and then figure out, okay, how are we going to put this spaghetti soup together? And it took them a while... Uh, before and it's probably going to take them a while again to get and see well which parts are we going to keep which parts aren't we going to keep and unfortunately there may be some uh, parts like some people will lose jobs and stuff like that and it'll depend I guess on what they feel is best for the business and how it's going to integrate with I guess their brand as a whole it's the reality of consolidation right I mean, there, there, there could be more opportunities, and people are still hoping that. And, and as much as I like to say hope isn't a good plan, I, there's something they see as being part of the industry. Mm-hmm. But as so Kevin they, said, uh, they were the ones that bought uh, Crunchyroll, uh, Funimation, Sony, and stuff like that. So they would probably have the higher edge than them, but 
we've seen weirder things because think about back uh, when Cineplex and Famous Players, when that merger happened, stuff like that. And Famous Players, I felt, was the bigger player, but they're the ones that got gobbled up and they all became Cineplexes. Mm-hmm. And how is that now? How's that doing? <laughs> like, like Cineplex took over just about everything here in terms of movie theaters. They bought, they bought up the AMC operations as well, right? Mm-hmm. A few a few years back, so really, it's just come down to Cineplex, and then maybe you'll hear about Landmark. Maybe you'll hear about. Wait, is Empire still around? That that because that's so the uh, Sobeys uh, ran that. I think they're still around, but they're a smaller player, and well, only in certain markets. Mm-hmm. Probably in the probably East Coast because that's where they were they're based, I believe. Because mm-hmm. they're they're associated with Sobeys. But uh, there's a lot to think about, too, in regards to uh, how does this affect uh, production committees and then, of course, originals and stuff like that. Because I know uh, we briefly, you guys talked about Crunchyroll originals. I know uh, Jeff mentioned uh, High Guardian Spice, that uh, anime-inspired uh, series that they said, oh, it's going to come one day, and it's from their Crunchyroll uh, Studios Burbank. But I feel like that is a white whale that is just going to be killed in this merger. Mm-hmm. It's like I think it's going to be back to... Now, I wouldn't really call them Crunchyroll Originals, even though some of them they did brand it that way. But I think they're going to do just like uh, they were doing with some of their own shows for Funimation, where they were on Fruit Basket and Crunchyroll. They were on certain committees, like they were on the Inspector Committee, and that one they called a Crunchyroll Original, even though it wasn't really an original. They were just on the committee. So I think they're going to jockey to get on certain committees now, and they might be able to get on like some hot, more high-profile shows and stuff like that, which I guess could be helpful, but time will tell. Well, it's sort of like saying it's sort of like saying or branding the last two live action Roni Kenshin movies as Netflix movies. Not really Netflix, but they aren't Netflix originals, right? Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting uh, to see, like, as we know, like not many people are on TV, so I don't think it's that big of a worry for them. But it was kind of interesting to see uh before when they were with warner and that and tied almost with adult swim and cartoon network for a bit uh, that crunchyroll and it's just uh showing up on crunchyroll now fina pirate princess that would have been interesting to see going forward shows like that and having those partnerships where they were the driving force uh, with production ig and stuff like that and they got it out before Japan. So Japan's going to have Fina Pirate Princess uh, in the fall season, October. But it started uh, a couple of weeks ago here and basically premiered on Adult Swim for the English. And unfortunately, it's only U.S. only, which is an unfortunate thing that many other English fans are lamenting. So they can't watch that English version of the dub. But they can watch uh, the English sub which premiered at the same time uh, on Crunchyroll, uh, sorry, Crunchyroll uh, Worldwide. And that was uh, interesting to say the least, that it's both premiering at the same time on different uh, vehicles. But it was an interesting show and a very uh, 
Adult Swim type show, you can see they were involved, very action-focused and stuff like that. And they had worked with IG, uh, before I don't forget, on um, FLCL, uh, that sequel. I think it was FLCL Alternative. Okay. Well, there's... Well, that's... Uh, it's it's an evolving story. We keep saying that. That's that we and we'll say that on mass. We just like keeping up with this. Mm -hmm. And that one is kind of the thing of where we talk about two worlds meeting, right? How we were saying, and even with Netflix, where they were saying we can bring together people from Japan, people from the U S people from Europe and all these other places to create, uh, something that hasn't been seen before in animated form and stuff like that. And that was kind of there in Fina pirate princess. Mm -hmm. Well, keep in mind, that's probably part of a bigger debate about, you know, this, that fandom, that schism in fandom that I, that we cited of earlier this year, the people who will be open-minded to the idea of further, Overseas influence in ja and, and and Japanese animated productions, and then those other and then the other other party, the other group that doesn't want those type of influences, wants it. Oh, dare I say pure? But really, what's pure? Is is my response when I hear that idea? You know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we've seen once certain again, series, right? Where if mm -hmm. it's an original or something like that, sometimes, and we saw that even with Great Pretender, where they put thought to uh, the audience outside Japan, stuff like that. And I don't think that's a bad thing, really. And then there are other series, obviously, if they're based on properties that aren't original and stuff like that, based off a manga, based off a game, based off... Um, a light novel based off um, a visual novel, then obviously those are probably going to be a more Japan-eccentric uh, story and stuff like that. Well, remember, I, I constantly, and I'm going to add a wrinkle to this and food for thought, and I'm going to, I remember seeing in a tweet a few days ago, so I'll just have to look for the interview, but if it's there, it's there. Remember over the years, I talked about Ken Akamatsu and his reaction to the international audience. And then he said, like when he reacted in reacting to the popularity of Love Hina almost 20 years ago, he said he'll be, he'd be more mindful of his inter international audience in the future. So I got a contrasting view for you. Okay. Dekiano, recently in an interview, or at least in, he... He said that's not really on his mind when he uh, makes his when he creates. He thinks of just the Japanese audience. And then he's happy with with what happens afterwards. But do you think this is just Hidekiano because Hidekiano is something else altogether, right? I would say that and remember a different creatives uh, think differently from project to project too right so okay but I, I could expect this like that as i said that's a new wrinkle to that debate and we're thinking about it at some point 
Uh, it's funny you brought up uh, Ava there quickly, and it made me think of uh, G Kids. And okay, uh, let's acknowledge Ava for a couple minutes before we go to the other thing that you missed out on. What do you want to say? Which uh, part of uh, Eva do you want to talk about? Uh, I was just going to say that them putting up that special edition, the ultimate edition, and just on the G Kids site, and it was five thousand of them at an early bird price of. Two hundred seventy nine ninety nine American dollars, and that's selling out in about eight hours. So then they, I heard they put up another thousand. Did they? Wow! I, heard, I, I thought I heard they put up them. another thousand, and then I'm pretty sure those are gone now too. Well, they must be gone because it said uh, they don't have anymore. But uh, hmm. it was interesting for that one where they're having the Netflix dub and the Netflix subs and stuff like that, but also they're having the ADV dub and the ADV subs on separate discs and they will be on full Blu-rays and that'll be interesting to see is that only on that ultimate edition or will they be on some other editions as well? That'll be interesting. Like a general edition. I'm wondering if there, there will ever be a general edition. Oh, there will be. They have another countdown. So there's going to be a regular edition. And I think there's probably going to be another edition, like a special edition type thing in between the ultimate and that one, because it's just too much of a money hound that they'll and they probably paid a pretty penny for it but it looks like there's still the fan base there so yes or no are the people who said they are not gonna buy it because fly me to the moon was a deal breaker do you think they should be kicking themselves well i guess it all depends on if they were just gonna leave it in the plastic wrap like if you actually want to watch it then you shouldn't really care either way but yeah, Fly Me to the Moon, unfortunately, they weren't able to get that because licensing is so different now, and it's, like, between no, I'm t- years I, I, later, right? Yeah, right? yeah, I understand that for, like, G-Kids and Netflix not getting it. I'm not, I have no issue with why they couldn't get it, because that happens. But for the consumers who said, okay, the fact it's not there is a deal-breaker to me, otherwise I would have bought it, do you think they should be kicking themselves? Or really, it just... It's up to them, you know what I mean? It's like their own preference, right? What they want to buy. So some of them, they might not want to buy that edition, but maybe later on down the line, they might be buying a regular edition on sale when it goes to a price that they feel good enough at, right? If they really love the series. So, yeah, I guess the mileage varies. Although, Although, I guess the ATV versions with the song on it, their prices have now stabilized. They're probably not dropping anymore. Some people might actually be looking for them. I think for myself, I'm just going to stick with the platinum uh, tin that I have. And you I'll have the tin, yeah. I have, a, I have the tin as well. My brother has the original one uh, with the oh, booklets I, and, and everything. But and I have I'm the happy with what I have. Uh, and I'm with, I also have the original regular version ADV did with those really, really bad uh, cases where the thing where the uh, disc seems stapled into the case and you can't ri- and you it's tough to get out without risking thinking you might crack the disc in some form. And then for the movies we have the uh, manga editions which like if you were going to upgrade I think a lot of people are upgrading for the movies and stuff like that because that'll be a definite upgrade over the uh, manga editions and stuff like that. It's kind of like how when That's in got- the box just to clarify. That's in the box, right? Yeah, that's in the box, too. The two uh, original uh, movies 
not the mm -hmm. new rebuild ones, just to remember. Okay, well, say something about that quickly, and then, because I want to at least say something about the rebuild, too. Yeah, no, I was just saying that, yeah, they would go for it because of the movies, and I was thinking similarly to uh, Read or Die, the OVA, where it was great to get that in the Aniplex uh, Blu-ray of Read or Die, because oh, yeah, uh, it, was, it was great to watch that on that one in the best possible way. The, uh, re the ROD was fine either way. It was just the other sucks. That's good, then. Anyway, so what were you going to say about the rebuilds, Mike? Money well spent for Amazon? I'd say so. Like, It'll be I mean, interesting I mean, to see what happens uh, for physical, though. Oh, yeah, well, Funimation still is many respects there. But like, I mean, did, did it really drive, like, what, what is the subscription numbers now for, for Amazon Prime? Did that really drive things a little bit? I don't know. Like, it, who knows? Like, I know, um, I, I know so Records did the original series, so I'm not sure for the movies if Kara and King Records are together or if it's just Kara. So it's hard to say what drove them uh, to give it to Amazon, but Amazon got it. They did it. The other thing I know it could have been about, because remember Funimation, they, one of the stipulations was they had to get into theaters and stuff like that. And that obviously isn't the case because Amazon, like they do put some of their stuff into maybe some theater environments, but it, it doesn't sound like at the moment that's something that's going to happen with the final Ava movie. Well, there's a degree of viability right now. And we know, and, well, we've had that uh, discussion before about movie theaters. And we know if it is going to go home video, usually it's a long wait before it finally goes uh, to someone else, whether it's uh, Sentai or whether it's uh, Funimation and stuff like that. Or Yeah. But I, I guess Amazon, you know, as I said, it was well-received. So I, mean, I didn't really, I didn't really have a good sense of the numbers really about how that, if it's really had a tangible benefit for Amazon, aside from the praise. Mm-hmm. I think okay. it's gotten good buzz for them, and that's what you really want, right? Good buzz sure. for uh, your platform. Sure, positive buzz, and positive buzz and Amazon don't usually go together, but it might here. Positive buzz and for Sony when it comes to anime, they wish. <laughs> well, okay. Well, you you sort of know where I, what I mean, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, so we go from Eva and started with the uh, Crunchyroll stuff. The last thing we uh, talked about in your absence, James, do you have anything to add concerning the Space Heater chat we did some weeks ago about the Comic-Con manga industry panel? I know at best it's blurry, but is there something that you would want to say or, well, we're 55 minutes in, so. Probably not too much. Uh, I could say on that I did uh, listen to the episode and enjoyed the listen, but it was uh, a couple of weeks ago. So my memory of that is uh, foggy. And I know uh, I was looking at some other ones, like even uh, the Crunchyroll Funimation one, I was looking at that another article from Anime News Network on licensing costs which was an interesting one if we ever uh, get to discuss that one 
Well, it's sort of the reason why, like when we talk uh, licensing costs, the only thing that comes to mind right now, just when you say that, is anime tube. And it just sounds like it would be a reminder of how unrealistic anime tube was with all their promises. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting also, like, obviously we got a look inside when ADV collapsed and the legal action was taken about how much they paid for some of the series they had back then. And then they didn't give specifics, but it definitely gives you an idea of what's happening now in that anime news network article about costs, how that AAA title is going to be a very big ask per episode, like you're looking at about as high as 400,000 US per episode. And those are the really top tier tells. But usually, most of them are probably 250 per episode in probably the A and B, high B plus range. But then when you finally get to those lower end ones that are the really C's they talked about, those simulcast ones could go low five figures. And even there are some in the Bs they said that could go between 70,000 to 150,000 US per episode. And we're talking per episode. Yeah, and all those are per episode. And so, trust me, there's a lot of money going to those uh, production committees considering that uh, to cover a series is only so much for the Japanese because they're not put, they're doing it only so much for the animation limited compared to what everyone does uh, outside of Japan. And you have the link again? Is it in the, is it in our discord? Yes, it is uh, in the discord. And there I will were, look again. there were other things too on that one where they talked about some licenses and I feel like some of them, maybe they could be Sentai, maybe they could be discotech, but some series that, They'll go uh, to the Japanese licensor and it's probably more for older licenses. And they know it's the right one because sometimes that can be a problem of knowing, is this the right person that owns the property, right? But they go to them, they know it's the right person and they say, can we license it? And then they look at it and they say, it's just not worth our trouble. We're not going to license it at all at any price. Because it's just not worth their while. And supposedly that's happened a few times, which can be surprising. But that can be another thing that may happen. And it's hard to say if streaming is going to be a solution or not, because people have talked about that, saying that maybe that's an avenue for older titles. But is it? We don't know. Hmm. In certain circumstances. I'll have to give that a read. But, yeah. So nothing on the so nothing on the uh, so nothing on the manga panel itself. Just yeah, just no, not in agree. <laughs> I, I would not in agree. They they've always done a great manga panel at um, San Diego Comic Con, and Deb Aoki always hosts. And they have the different uh, people from the different uh, publishers and stuff like that. Yen Press, Kodansha, Viz. Um, I think Mangamo was there this year too, and so. They have some really. It wasn't Mangamo. Uh, it wasn't Mangamo. It was like this year. It was like I know Yen that Chavez was Pop. there too, and he's been there a few other times too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Square Enix, Kodansha. Yeah, that's it. Square Enix is interesting because they only got started, but they haven't 
really ramped up or anything. They've just kind of been ho-hum and maybe one or two like books a month or something like that. But Layla was still interesting, though. So the way she handled herself in that panel. Okay. It'll be interesting with Square Enix because you think with all that money, right? And all the brand well, on the video game side that yeah. they would ramp, yeah. but I feel like COVID might have made them think about doing it a little slower. You know what I mean? Especially with what we've talked about with printing and that, because they've had issues just trying to get things back into print for a lot of publishers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's there's the the ground is still not horrible, right? It's like. Yeah, the, the the COVID there was a COVID uptick and it'll end at some point, but what does the normal look like? And there are as I said, they seem all optimistic that the normal won't be that bad. Will won't be a won't drop like a stone. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll there'll be a new a good normalization that they'll be very happy with. Although as I said, uh as mentioned in the back then and some of it's blurry to me, I'm still waiting for to see if that Netflix moment happens within the manga industry. Yeah. No, and I joke and remember, and I, sorry. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what platform it is that comes out on top. But I feel like probably, uh, Shueisha and Shugaku with their online, uh, platforms, uh, the manga plus or whatever, uh, it was is probably going to be the front runner uh, to go forward because that's the big uh, breadwinner is those shonen series and those jump series, mm. and they've driven Viz pretty far. Yeah. Although, although maybe that maybe that's how Anime Tube should pivot repivot themselves. I don't know. But then that's a new that's something else altogether. I think I made that joke back then too. Either, uh, either in episode forty nine or in that space heater chat. Although, although you know, we we said enough about tube to say, well, they put themselves enough behind the eight ball. Can they really recover? <laughs> I'm just saying. I know. I that, I mean, am I ra- do I sound like I'm ragging on them, or is this of their own doing? As we said, uh, it's probably more uh, of their own doing, and I would say it's time uh, to move on to another project in another industry before uh, they waste more of their life, right? Okay, so I'm not dogpiling. Thank you. (laughs) Well, no, I'm dogpiling. I don't know. Okay. That's all. That's all. That, that's. Did that's you want to talk maybe about some professionals? Because I did watch uh, the Sentai at Home two uh, last week uh, on uh, the Friday. It was last Friday. Well, okay. The well, you, I'll give you the form. Give you. I'll give you the form for a little bit, and then maybe we can talk about what we've watched in the last two weeks and read. Yeah, it was actually well, pretty. Give me a thought, long, I, but it was interesting. They were promoing stuff that was coming to and was on high dive, some stuff that was uh, coming over uh, to Sentai and stuff like that. On They were talking about their dubs, about the Japanese stuff. They got a lot of different people, obviously, from uh, the Houston side for their dubbing side, but they also got a lot of creators for some of their series in Japan and did a lot of different interviews and videos that I think are still up on their YouTube uh, site. I think even... Uh, 
the Sentai at Home 2 is still up there. I'm not sure when, if, if or when they're going to take it down, but there were some really interesting interviews uh, from a lot of the different Japanese creators. And some of it was talking about uh, future works, like we saw the future works of uh, Made in the Abyss 2, which I think we already knew was coming. We also saw, like there were tons of series. The other one was they picked up uh, another Netflix show in uh, Kekege Rui, and that's the uh, gambling uh, anime. Yeah, the, and that one the, is the gambling manga that Yen Press has, but they did solicit it uh, for November. And supposedly, like all the other Netflix anime, they're redubbing it. So I guess the cost was too high to get the dub. But I think it wasn't a surprise. Anime Limited had gotten this series, I think, a year or two ago. And they said they were having issues releasing it. And I think it had to do with the dub. So they're probably going to get it out after uh, Sentai gets their release out in uh, November. New opportunities, right? New opportunities for the uh, productions, for those productions. Well, it's kind of weird, too. Like, they promoted uh, Vinland Saga the first season. And I, I enjoyed what they did, but it's interesting because people are already comparing and dogpiling because there's two English casts. So there's the cast that Sentai did, but then later on we found out there was a separate English cast that somehow Netflix did. But remember, this was an Amazon streaming exclusive. So it looks like Amazon's going to lose that streaming uh license it's probably going to go to um netflix and we know that too because it sounds like netflix has season two of vinland Saga, which we know is coming in the future hmm. so that'll be uh, interesting to say the least mm. well you brought up a name that well going back to our discussion earlier the about streaming services that we had yet to really bring up high dive mm-hmm what about they were going VRV too, so I wonder what's going to happen to them on there. <laughs> or yeah, whatever. well, I don't know what to like. Well, I, as I said, we can talk about that. But where does High Dive sits? How how does High Dive sit these days to you, James? I don't know. Like sometimes they still have some series that'll cross over onto Crunchyroll. Like I know they had the uh, new season of Non Non uh, Biori on Crunchyroll, and so I would say that sometimes you'll have things that will get uh, back on there, so it's kind of like, do you really need that high dive um, subscription and stuff like that? Like, the only reason I had it for a bit is they had a deal, I think, when they went uh, from beta to their actual service, and I took that deal, and the other reason I took that deal is because... It was cheap enough, and because I wanted to watch Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And okay. that was the only thing I got out of that subscription for the few months, was me watching all of that, and it was a lot cheaper than buying uh, the exclusive box set from the Sentai store. You know what the correct answer is in my eyes? How, how does, uh, does High Dive look? What's the correct answer? What is the correct answer? Better than, you, better, better than Anime Tube. Dogpile, dogpile. Well, they did have experience with it's the anime true. network. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the other thing is interesting is they took stuff that was on anime strike and stuff like that and kind of integrated that into their um, high dive experience. 
And they've also been, they were ahead of Funimation, funny enough, on getting like some non-English dubs and non-English subtitles and stuff like that onto their service. And that's another thing too, is that Crunchyroll was ahead of Funimation in getting those non-English uh, subs out to other parts of the world that normally were never reached and we never think about. You know what I mean? Yeah, so this tells you the work ahead, right? Yeah, but I will say one thing about uh, the uh, Sentai at Home 2. Like, there was some great stuff to watch in there, content from Japan itself and from uh, them themselves. It was funny, they also had old shows that they had rescued, like they had the director of Nana talking to him about that and nana is on high dive at the moment and so that's a great one uh, to watch but hopefully they'll get that blu-ray out by the end of the year they said they hopefully will so fingers crossed on december but nana's uh one that uh was a favorite uh, back into the, the day back and hopefully the day. they can do a good thing. job on the blu-ray because supposedly uh, the french blu-ray was hot garbage as some people told us from europe so I'm sure they were yeah. working hard because it seems they have a lot of fans. And on the Sentai podcast, they have been doing some focus on Main the Biss at first. And now they've been focusing some uh, small episodes on Nana and actually speaking to some of the English uh, voice cast, which uh, was, remember, that dub was done at Ocean uh, in Vancouver. Back in the day. Back in the day. And they're keeping that dub. And they are also keeping... Uh, the final uh, first, uh, I think it was the first opening, or was it the first ending? I think it might have been the first ending, but one of the songs they had to take out, I remember, the Viz release, and they're adding that back in. It looks like they added it back in the high dive, so it should be there on the home video for the Japanese. They weren't able to sync it for the English, unfortunately, which is too bad. Hmm, that's okay. But as I said, there's a lot of, like, you brought up a real name from the past by saying Nana. It just, yeah, yeah. It, that's, that's just boggles me. I mean, I'm trying to remember when the live action movies came out of that. I think it was around the same time, because remember, Viz did the live action movies. They did the manga on Shoujo Beat, which they got up to where uh, the creator stopped. And then they also had the anime on Shoujo the Beat. Live DVDs and all that, so they went full on on that one. Live action movie, two thousand, I think two thousand five ish, was it? Mm-hmm. But they released it later. I think it was all uh, two thousand eight or so when they okay. started releasing. Uh, remember, I told you. Th- remember, I told you the story about the Nana movies' um, appearance on Canadian television. Because. Yeah. Well, we, well, I'll, I'll give a context then. They're back in the, uh, I'd say nineties. I don't know how how, how often it, Omni does it now. They used to show two Asian movies, namely Hong Kong movies, on Saturday nights. They used to do that, right, in the nineties. And they were, if they were Hong Kong movies, they'd have English subtitles. Good watching, some good martial arts movies, some good dramas. Some good, some interesting movies from the, well, from that point, it was in the 80s, probably, and early 90s. We were watching movies from that that period in, well, as I said, the, the, mid, the mid to late 90s and early aughts. Towards the end, or 
the back end of that type of broadcast, or that series of movies they broadcast, they expanded into more Japanese movies. One of those was Nana. They showed the two Nana movies, but they showed them only with Chinese subtitles. <laughs> no English subtitles. And that's not too surprising given the multicultural well, background at the station, how they did well, because but that was that was but that was that remember who the their market was, who their target was for those when they were showing those anyway. Because it was for that for that Cantonese audience at the time. But yeah. That's that that's my memory of uh of Nana eh, that that I could share. It has nothing to do with the story itself. It has all everything to do about the way it was presented here. Right. There is still like some hope people wonder about Sentai and stuff like that about after they get through uh, the contract with Crunchyroll for this next set of Blu-rays and stuff like that. And yes, they do have like maybe one or two exclusives, the crumbs they pick up from the table, but I think they still have uh, other opportunities like Discotech to look at older catalog titles. And they have uh, done that before and stuff like that, looking at Pat Labor, looking at Nana, looking at other things, because Discotech can't put it all out themselves, you know what I mean? There's still opportunities out there uh, in the older catalogs if they find the right title or hit the right price point. Yeah, well, it, like well, like we said, it's somehow there's always still a heartbeat there. And maybe some other licensors uh, would like to uh, take a chance on someone else and stuff like that. Maybe not go back to the same well again and again, right? To see uh, what price they're willing to offer. It's kind of the interesting little thing. Like um, for the Sentai at Home 2, I think I made mention to you, Mike, and this was the surprise. So you know how uh, with Nintendo and Apple and all these other companies now, there's always after they finish in that and they said one more thing. Just one more thing. And so... They did their just one more thing before it even started in a press release. And that just boggled my mind because it would I felt it would have been the perfect thing to end on. And it was the press release that Sentai Filmworks had licensed from TMS Lupin the Third Part 6, which is starting uh, in the uh, fall season. And it's to celebrate 50 years of animated Lupin. So recap, who has the other who has the other parts? Well, remember, so TMS uh, has licensed out a lot of the recent ones to Discotech. They did do Lupin the first to uh, G Kids to get into theaters and stuff like that. But they were saying that TMS has been helpful in actually dubbing some of the Lupin franchise recently and dubbing some of uh, the Detective Conan series. So it wasn't always Discotech doing some of the dubs. Sometimes it was TMS, and some of that was to get on other platforms, like for Part 4 and Part 5. That was dubbed by TMS, and they also did that so they could get it onto Adult Swim. And I hmm. wouldn't be surprised if in this deal, TMS is helping Sentai uh, dub it with some of the actors that uh, have done Lupin before and maybe even get it on to uh, Adult Swim to help them sell some more units and stuff like that. I don't think it'll be a Texas cast. Interesting. And some people were talking about uh, Richard Epker 
who uh, is synonymous uh, with Lupin fans and uh, with the series, of course. And I would say, like, I know he had some tweets and stuff like that, but I don't think it had to do with part six because they had been uh, reaching out to him and to the other actors in California to uh, get some other specials and stuff like that done. Like, I would say uh, the one that we found out that was being dubbed and maybe he was talking about that was the most recent Lupin special, Lupin the Third, Prison of the Past. It sounds like TMS was helping getting that dubbed and they were also helping out getting dubbed uh, the Conan vs. Lupin movie, which uh, Discotech announced at their Oticon panel. And uh, so we'll see what happens with some of that because some of that is to uh, further their brand, so to speak. Well, as I said, they're, they're, they're beat. it looks like that heartbeat is just a little stronger. Yeah, it makes you wonder what uh, the price was, but I think some of it, too, was it helps them maybe get it to market in a few things a bit faster, especially on the home video front, because it's taken uh, Discotech a bit to get certain ones out, because they had to slog through a lot of things to get, like, they were on yeah, a real cliff of releasing a lot of loop-in specials, and then this month, yeah, other they stuff. just released part three, and part five is going to be released in October on home video, but it's been a while since it showed up on Crunchyroll. So it'll be interesting to see with them licensing it, does that mean TMS is going to allow them and will um, Sentai allow it on other streaming platforms like Crunchyroll, or is it going to be exclusive to High Dive? Now that's the question, isn't it? Though does what it, we do know is video to really own will be a different kettle of fish, and yeah, they'll have it on probably the usual suspects, just like TMS always does with those movies and specials, which is interesting enough where we find out about some of the dubs sometimes, because they say, oh, this is on Amazon to buy to own and stuff like that digitally for a sub and a dub, and it's like, a dub? What does that even mean? Because we'd never know. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. There's none, really not much else to add to this. But it'll be interesting. I'm guessing like it'll probably be on high dive because the um, last one at part five, I know uh, TMS, they had it on Crunchyroll, but they did extend the license to high dive and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting if at first maybe they just have it on high dive and maybe extend an olive branch onto Crunchyroll like they did. So the opposite of what they did for part five. Makes sense. But still a big uh, a big announcement. But it was interesting that it was announced before this whole big event in a press release that was nonchalant. And I would have thought that would have been like the last thing, the one more thought. And I thought that would have been an interesting perfect, thing to send them off. A perfect presentation, right? Yeah. Not to say it was a bad presentation or anything like that. Everything was great. It's just it would have been I think that would have been the big hurrah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, okay, we're like an, an hour 19 minutes, I think, by my uh, calculations, or by my clock, according to what this uh, screen is telling me. Almost, I, I guess we're in the back end. Is there anything we should add? Do we want to talk a little bit about what we're watching these days? What's on our queues uh, right now? Or should we just save that for another time? Because yeah. I get the feeling we can go for a long time by the stuff we talk about. 
Sure, if you want, know, we can see uh, what we're watching. It's like I've, I think the two that come to mind. So I was watching uh, Dear Brother from Disco Tech. I watched through uh, all of that, and that was a very respectable anime about an all girls <laughs> high school and all girls sorority <laughs> where nothing unblemished happened. I believe it was a very PG family friendly affair. I think. Mm. That's yours. Yes, I, I did buy that. It's weirdly enough, I did. I watched it on Anime Souls, but I did not get the DVDs. My brother uh, got the DVDs through uh, Anime Souls, but uh, it's like when they had that Blu-ray uh, announcement, they said it was going to be a short uh, period. I knew it was something I want to have, and even if you have those Anime Souls DVDs, it's a worthy upgrade to have. Okay, and then the other one uh, I was watching uh getting through i was watching on funimation uh the first part because i'd already watched it a bit before but i was going through the dub of the first season the 12 episodes of moriarty the patriot and because i hadn't watched the second season i then watched the next uh 12 episodes of the second season uh sub only and that uh, was an interesting anime series. It was actually based off a of manga, and Viz is releasing the manga, and that one's a Jump Squared uh, title, and they've done some manga like that, looking at, I guess, historical or literary figures. But it's an interesting take on uh, Moriarty from uh, Sherlock Holmes, and looking at it kind of in a different light. I think everything is based off the manga, but the interesting part is how they did the anime-exclusive first episode, and I think it was a better introduction than how the manga did it, so it really grabbed you, but I think there were other elements, too, where they actually had it start out for some reason that this kid was reading Sherlock Holmes' uh, The Final uh, Problem or whatever, the book in New York City, and he's turning to the page, and then you see the original uh, image of Moriarty, and then you see hmm. what he is in the anime series and kind of what he's become in uh, media since. And he doesn't have that same image as the original um, illustration where he kind of has this more star and this more beautiful appearance than what he had in that original image where he was kind of hunchback, not looking as great, but his intellect was uh, an even match for home. And even or even greater, depending on who you ask. Well, it's sort of the medium, I guess. But uh, it definitely uh, is a show of the times, as some people would say. It's like, uh, and it's one you could always say is that you don't have to be uh, like waving the flag to be considered a patriot. A patriot can be someone who can also do other things as well and can go against the grain. Mm-hmm. I'd have to read up more on that, uh, just just only because you brought it up, and I'd be curious. But that's only on Funimation, isn't it? Is it just Funimation? Yes, that one is just on uh, Funimation, and they'll probably release uh, a physical uh, release at some point, because uh, the first season was split into two uh, cores, and so the first season was in fall season last year, and then spring season uh, this year was when they did the final, uh, I think, 13 episodes. I well, can't wait for that, uh, whatever the consolidation is, I guess, between 
cringy roll and Funimation, whatever form it takes. Or maybe uh, maybe I'll, I'll 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 splurge. We'll see. On but that one was interesting. Piece. I enjoyed this one, Moriarty the Patriot, more than I did that other uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, show they did. Uh, a year or two ago, remember that really weird modern take where they were set in Japan and stuff like that, and it was okay, but I don't know why it just didn't grab me. But this one, it was kind an of going back. Yes, it was an anime. Okay, but it was like this one, and even the manga, it's like kind of going back, so to speak. So it is set in the 19th century and stuff like that, and. Uh, obviously we can talk about accuracies or whatever but it's set in that era and it's kind of taking some of the home stories and presenting them in a new light so to speak and i thought they did a good job of that hmm. well i mean that seems to be a thing these days especially sherlock holmes over the last oh 10 plus years okay so my watches reads before we end my turn sure okay First of all, all the, the read I had um, is not anime or manga related or light novel related. It's but it is Toronto Blue Jays related. Uh, I read uh, Bullpen Gospels by uh, Dirk Hayhurst. Is a uh, chronicle of the I think it was a 2007 season in the minors. Just uh, just just a shout out for the Toronto stuff. But that's I, I, just something I should mention. Okay, anime wise, um, I did start watching B the beginning. I think I'm a, I think I'm like four episodes in. I mean, you watched it. Yeah, no, I I watched it. I also have the, uh, that Ultimate Edition stuff like that. I believe it's the same director too as doing mm. Athena Pirate Princess that is did that one as well <laughs> because it's an IG series and that's where it yeah, works. it is an IG. Yeah, no, I I, I mean I, I thought I, it would go one way. Now it's a, now now it's taking its turn and gone, starting to go the other way. They do and take some turns. It. It's an interesting series. I haven't watched the second season, which is more OVA-like. It's a shorter amount of episodes. Mm-hmm. I think it's six episodes, uh, second yeah. series. But I've heard season. different takes on that one, so that'll be interesting if I ever when, uh, when see it or it. someone uh, wants to watch it. I mean, the other thing is I've yet to watch Beastar, B- the continuation of Beastars. And by the way, some of these references I'm about to make will have an NHK tie to it in some form and I'll play, I'll just play with me for a couple minutes on this one. Okay. Go ahead. But yeah. I've yet to watch be, um, be stars and I'll eventually get to it, but be the beginning. It's, it's grabbed my attention. And when I can get around to watching it, great stuff. I've enjoyed it. And I'm alternating between like sub and dub again. So I think I watched the first episode Sub and then second and second episode. Uh, first two for uh, first episode sub and then the next two episodes dubbed and then I think I'm on episode four. I watched that subbed and then I'll alternate from that point. Yeah, no, was, it's, an, it's it's an enjoyable watch so far. I was okay uh, with the dub uh, for that one. I know they did that one in California. I guess some people where you could have a criticism of that one is. This island and this land they're on is kind of supposed to be similar to England and stuff like that. So you could say maybe you'd want some more English tone or acting in that one. But Mm -hmm. I think it didn't hurt it too much with how their voices and where they stand are. 
Yeah, it never, it never, like, it didn't bother me. It, it didn't stand out negatively or positively. I just, just took it for what it was so far. Yeah, it has a more, like, the town they're in, it's set in, has a kind of European feel to it. So I get it. And you hear the accents, but it just, it never really stuck out. And in this case, that's probably a good thing, because then it could be bad. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to watching a little bit more of that in between Paralympic watching. The other episode, and I watched this earlier today. Oh, the uh, the NHK tie. Um, Marty Friedman. He performs the he performs the the closing song, right? Yes, Memory I do remember right? that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, where's the NHK tie? It's with Marty Friedman. Um, first of all, he, Marty Friedman is a former member of Megadeth but he settled in Japan because he married a, a Japanese mis- um, cellist, I believe. Mm-hmm. And we know how big uh, certain bands got in Japan, right? They did. Mr. Big did like there are tons of eighties ones that somehow yeah, found he, another he no problem. He had no problems being, becoming famous there. He's been on many uh, Japanese television shows since he settled in Japan. One of them included for one year, an NHK music show on rock. On J Rock, he he hosted a a, a J Rock show on NHK World, and that's the NHK tie there. Okay, the other show has a more obvious NHK tie. Um, Kyo and Kyoto, uh, Maiko San ni no Makanai, uh, Maiko San Chi no Makanai San. Yeah, the Mako House one. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I was going to mention that one, but I figured you would bring it up. And I've been watching it on Crunchyroll, and I think you've been watching it on uh, NHK World, right? Because it's been a right. nice light series. It's a nice breath of fresh air whenever you watch it. Like, I think one came out this week on Crunchyroll. And yeah, that's that's it. the thing, because I watched that earlier today. The latest episode came out this week, because it's a monthly series, right? Yeah, NHK's it's so been weird, right? Because month. we're so used to it, like, coming out week after week, and this one... It kind of is coming out every so often, but every time it does it's, come it's out, it's a of fresh air. It's like three ep- small it episodes has, in one. It's, it has no real plot to it, right? It has no real... Like, the only plot you can come up with is it, it centers on Mike, on Keo herself, who's a failed Maiko apprentice, but seems at peace with her lot in life now because she got... because. She's become the live-in cook at and the. She loves the to uh, cook, and she loves to cook, and, and everybody at the house succeed and stuff like that, yeah. and live her loves dream. Mm-hmm. And her best friend. Meanwhile, her best friend, who came with her, has become a Michael, and is doing and is thriving as a Michael, and she's okay with that. And all she's doing, and all and it's just a slice of life about how she's ha- about. Her daily life. I'm not going to say it's about how she's handling it, because as I said, clearly she's not bitter at all. She's very happy with, like, Keo seems very happy with where her, what her lot is at this point in her life. And the rest of the Maiko who live in the house, along with her best friend, um, Sumire, they're all happy that she's the cook. Clearly they value her in her role now. So it's a really, it's a really, yeah, breath of fresh air, kind of happy, no real plot. Really, it doesn't have much of a plot. It's all, you're just in it because for the, for the cultural and food lessons that they give you. Because each little mini story just centers on something they've eaten. 
And they give you a context as it comes to regional variations because they're from Aomori, but they're, they've settled in Kyoto. In Kyoto. Yeah, they do go over that. Mm -hmm, they go over the regional variations of the various foods they have. And then they give you some little cultural nuggets about what it's like to be a Maiko or the day-to-day -day life of a Maiko and how strict their protocols are. And I feel like it goes in such a way that you wouldn't even realize this is based off a manga that has 17 volumes at the moment. And so that's something to think about. And that one actually it's published uh, by Shugakukan in uh, Shukan uh, Shonen Sunday. Mm -hmm. But 17 so volumes, that's a lot you would have to adapt. But I feel the way, I, because I've seen a bit of the manga, not all of it, it's episodic and stuff like that. So it can work like that in the anime and they add their own spins. As you said, those little things between episodes where... They're talking with the one uh, senpai and stuff like that about food and things like that. Mm -hmm. The latest episode features their um, ch features their uh, childhood best friend, who coincidentally, like, it's a it's a it's a boy from their hometown who coincidentally is played by the same voice actress who plays Conan, who <laughs> plays Nabiki in Ranma as well. It's it's just funny. But uh, that that part kind of that fact kind of stuck out. There's another thing that should stick out too, uh, but I think it was like either the episode before or the one before that, where obviously they get snow, right? And seeing mm -hmm. them trying to compete to shovel snow and how they were shoveling snow, I'm like, there's no way you shovel snow like that. Somehow getting a perfect block and then throwing it like away. Well, that was depicted in canon too. Come on. <laughs> So it's, as I said, it's a amazingly cheerful thing, but you wonder, well, what's, what was, what was the point of doing something of animating a show like this that had no real plot? It was very episodic. So it's it maybe in that sense, it's easy. I think right? it's as earlier today, it's a healing anime. Remember, I forget the exact um, Japanese term. But it's kind of like they said, a healing anime where it kind of puts you at peace and at rest. And it probably gives you a bit of a nostalgic tone probably for certain Japanese audiences and stuff like that. So, yeah, okay, therapeutic in some form. It's kind of like, like it's even more slice of life than slice of life, so to speak. Okay. Well, I mean, I have my theories, but maybe I, I want to save that for maybe another... Uh, train of thought because something's about to happen there I think and I will and I'll, I'll play that thought or do you want me to play that thought now do we have time to play that thought we're almost we're think? over an hour and a half so I guess the train can't stop any further right <laughs> oh the train like 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 the train can we can travel for a while here you know it's a, like we've we've done this before right so what uh, was the last thing then? Oh, you want me to play with play my thought as to sure, what, what I think, why I think why I think um, this was animated? Because we, I got into a debate with a friend earlier today, and we were wondering. My friend was wondering the merits of having this show animated, having this title animated. I mean, you gave your theory, and and it's a, it's, it's valid. I can be a little bit more specific, but I can speak to this. 
basically as a regular NHK world watcher. And once again, putting my hat on as a former um, program monitor with NHK world. Not to say I influenced anything, but I think I can spot a trend or something. You want me to play that thought? Go ahead. Okay. It's just, there haven't been too many successful attempts for NHK World's programming in terms of anime, right? But, you know, NHK World's purpose is to promote Japanese culture to outside of Japan itself, right? And what better way to do that than by talking about quintessential Japanese food and geisha. So you kind of roll that into this series. Now, when it comes to animated series, uh, I also, I'm also kind of reminded about the attempts of uh, animated programming and entertainment programming that has appeared on NHK World and like the history of it over the last 10 years, but more specifically over the last five, six years. You've had little specials like, um, well, you had a, the, you had a two part TV movie called Kurara, which talked about, which was a depiction of, um, of Hokusai's daughter, Oi, who, by the way, was played by Aoi Mizaki, who was in Great Pretend, who was in Great Passage, and I think in the live action Nana as well. Later, and it was a fun, a fun movie to watch. And they showed it twice, once in dubbed and once in subtitled. So you think about the entertainment programming. I think they did something, and that obviously promoted Hokusai and Hokusai's other legacy within her with his daughter. Another drama they did, I think, was a move was they showed select episodes from a TV from a TV miniseries that actually aired in Japan that talked about their sports past, which culminated with this 1964 Olympics. That was la- that was over the last year. Back in, I believe, 2015, there was a series called um, Sushi and Beyond, which was an animated take on Michael Booth's memoir of when he and his family spent 100 days in Japan. That was animated. And they showed that dubbed. And yeah, that, once again, promoting the food. And they had little cultural nuggets at the end of each episode with them uh, going around various like food, uh, food places, whether they were restaurants or markets. The last attempt I can think about was over two nights, NHK World also showed uh, Dragon Dentist. And while I enjoyed it personally, I mean, uh, the, bi- bi- the anime fan in me actually enjoyed and appreciated the fact they tried it. It just felt so out of place for what I felt was, what, were they, what was um, NHK World trying to do with that in putting it on? Like that was the impression I got after when I think about it further. So now fast forward all those thoughts, roll it all together, and you have Kion Kyoto, another animated program. It's been a while since they featured an animated show on NHK World. First time they did it really in earnest since Sushi and Beyond six years before. And it's all food again. Once again, to help promote uh, the culture. I mean, that's the purpose of NHK World. So it's a bunch of jumbled thoughts. I get it. But 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 its mere appearance just really grabbed my attention. And 
I think the debate behind seeing it just heightened more when when my friend who reads who's read the manga in Japanese, by the way, just said they don't know why it's animated. Okay, sorry, James. You're about to say something. No, I think overall, like it was probably episodic in the manga, but. It also was a good series that they could use, as you said, to present Japanese culture that people are thinking of, the food of traditional Kyoto and its settings of the geisha and so on and so forth. I think the other interesting thing is when you were watching it, were you just watching the um, NHK World uh, stream? Because I think you said that one, the narrator is dubbed. Mm -hmm. The narrator is dubbed. The one I'm watching. It's in Japanese. Yeah, and that's another key po- point. Uh, NHK World, in their presentation of the show, there's a key difference. It's the narrator. They have Hannah Grace, who's a mainstay with NHK World. If you watch enough of their programming, you'll recognize her voice instantly. And on top of that, they put little three-minute nuggets at the end about about Michael themselves. So, although I think that series is done, so they're just, you know, cycling through the the episodes they've done already the three minute michael episodes are called so yeah there's a little yeah little little nuggets so just a i don't know it's it just grabs my attention why why the focus that's all but it sounds like if it when we've talked about some of the things they've had there on nhk world it seems like the right fit, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's the a, that's toughest the thing, thing is trying to find the right fit that fits into your brand that you're trying to bring out. And well, I think there is some anime like that. You just have to find the right one. And this one is it, which is promoting uh, cool Japan uh, in the traditional sense, so to speak, in some form. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's, uh, the key word is fit in this case, and and specifically a fit for NHK World, not NHK General, not NHK, because we we know the history of NHK in anime. I mean, there's a lot to go with, but if you want, um, like Kyo is is one one of one part of it. Yes, and and NHK has a production credit with it. So does Cardcaptor Sakura, though. That's probably the one that sticks out with most people. That That's an anime that sticks out to most people that um, I don't know how many really know that it's tied with NHK as well. And uh, even Dear Brother that I was just watching that uh, is tied to NHK. Like they've had many big series and then other series that were big before because they wanted to reach a bigger audience. They went to NHK. Like remember Attack on Titan? It mm-hmm. wasn't originally on NHK, but then they wanted to find that bigger audience and they said, uh, okay, uh, we'll let NHK broadcast it as well and take the lead. And they've uh, done it ever since. And they'll uh, do that final season, I guess, uh, whenever it comes out, which I think is next year. Mm-hmm. Think about it as, a, yeah, it feels like a parallel with what they did with, uh, it feels almost like a parallel with Demon Slayer. Would Demon Slayer be what it is if it didn't end up on Netflix? Okay, that's another debate, I guess. I'd say I'd say that's a that's a worthwhile debate though. Would would Demon Slayer have reached the level it's at outside of Japan if it wasn't on Netflix? 
because I got uh, I got some coworkers into into watching Demon Slayer at the clinic, and this is this is like and some of those coworkers were mothers to college kids. <laughs> try tried to tried to bond with a uh, I think um, one tried to bond with her uh, college aged daughter, but the daughter wasn't interested in watching anime at that point. Who knew? <laughs> but, but I thought. Yeah, no, yeah. I think we've talked about before, and I think that definitely helped uh, the movie, not just because it was the only thing that was playing. I think having it in front of that larger audience definitely does help and stuff like that, especially mm-hmm. with this is the biggest thing in Japan, and that's probably one of the things they're going to gravitate to first. If that's like, okay, I want to see what anime is about, they're going to go there first. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that's uh, that's what those are the shows that are currently on the queue. Um, hey, check them out if you want. I would I would check out I would check out Moriarty, the Patriot. Now that you brought it up, I, I would I would at least uh, give it a consideration, especially if I had the uh, the um, Funimation subscription. But yeah, it's kind of funny because Sherlock Holmes does not show up till I think episode eight and stuff like that. So they do give. Moriarty, uh, his due and stuff like that. He is the focus. His group is the focus. But then it's interesting how they navigate. And then Holmes and Moriarty, both of them have their own focus and stuff like that in that relationship. It's interesting. And it's in the traditional sense. And they're looking at the original 19th century as well. Mm. As I said, and it's promo. obviously uh, they're looking at the class system as well. So it's like the nobility versus... Uh, the lower class and stuff like that in the society they had back then, right? Right, in the 19th century. And yeah, it, it can be quite dingy. So, okay. Well, thanks for doing this. Uh, are you available next week? Hopefully. We'll see how it goes, right? Right. Well, if... Um, we have to get the others too, don't we? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> as I said, all hands on deck if we do this. Uh, it would be, what, fi- uh, episode 50 for the 50th pandemic recording right but uh hey that's uh that's to come up if you um that's to come up but that also pretty much finishes uh this so to anyone listening if you have any questions or comments or want to be part of the conversation let us know you can email us animeroundtable at gmail.com we are on twitter and instagram at Anime Roundtable. Please follow us on either of those forms and you'll surely hear from us. We will send you a message thanking you for the follow because not many do. So we have time to say thank you. Past episodes, if you want to hear those, AnimeRoundtable.com is our show archive with said past episodes and links. And uh, wherever you're hearing this, because right now it is a listen, wherever you're hearing this, uh, if you could, please give us a quick review. Five stars, if you could, as Kevin would say. Or um, I think at least I'm going point. to have to go against that, and I say you're old enough, you can give us whatever stars Yeah, just you let want. us know. It's good for both the algorithm and uh, maybe our collective egos as well. Just a little bit of confidence to know that. You guys are out there. And once again, I believe um, we have to fight the algorithm. Oh, it's a losing battle at our, at our age, James. 
Typically, we do episodes once every other week, but we will once in a while go on runs where we will go consecutive weeks like we are like we have been over the summer. Regardless, wherever you're listening to this, hit the subscribe button so you know whenever we put something new in the feeds. So that's all we got for this evening. Join us again, though, and I guess hopefully next week when we finally do episode 50 of version 2. Thanks again for listening. Yeah, I'll be special the next episode. And as always, it was great, Mike, and thank you to the listeners, as we would always say, just as you did now. <laughs>